0: Trigger warning. This podcast is intended for men, not boys,
1: not babies, men. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. It's pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows.
0: Feminist hate patriarchy.
1: patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area.
0: I'm a nasty woman. Allowed. Vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy.
2: You're male privilege. Are you saying you have authority over me? Go in your f***ing superior.
3: I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing.
2: The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of the patriarchy.
4: they had a strange women you don't know patriarchy the
2: patriarchy patriarchy patriarchy
0: and that is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Beast Network, and you are listening to The Patriarchy. My name is Tony Dapani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon.
2: Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich.
0: Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating today?
4: Well, I'm kind of eating the leftovers here of this turkey sandwich. I mean... This was a really great sandwich. It was on French bread, Mm. turkey, a little bit of cranberry sauce on it, and some dressing, getting ready for the the Christmas holiday. I mean, it was really, really, really good, except for I kind of got kicked out of the place where I was trying to eat it. What'd you do? No, I, I was just in the dining room, and I was watching some guys play chess. In the dining room? Yeah, I mean, it was like a, a yeah. I don't know why. A couple of my buddies decided to set up in this dining room and play chess, and um, the manager came over and told us that the the office people asked us to move move away, and so we asked why, and he said it's because they can't stand chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. Oh man.
0: You know, I kind of thought you were joking there um, when you told me that it was your friends because, you know, I didn't believe that part, but
4: nice. <laughs> so that was the joke. That was the joke. That was the joke. That was Nice. The, well,
0: okay. You know what? You, you. You, yeah, but you know what I had. You know what I had this week? What did I have? Uh,
4: a Corona sandwich. No. No, you had?
0: No, no. Uh, you had. I know it. It came back. A muffin. Yes. I had a cheeseburger muffin. For, for people that are new-time listeners, this goes a ways back, but it's actually a real thing. My wife makes cheeseburger muffins. I know that sounds kind of weird. It's not actually really a muffin. It's it's basically like a, oh, what are those called? Um, not a croissant, but like those those flaky roll biscuit things or whatever that you make. And she basically uses that batter and makes it into look like a muffin, and there's like, there's uh, hamburger meat inside, and and uh, I actually don't know. i got to ask her. I actually don't know what sauce is inside. It's almost like it's a – actually, I don't even know if it really should be called a cheeseburger muffin. I think it should be called like a sloppy joe muffin because that's more like what's inside. And then on top, oh. there's like melted cheese and stuff and whatever. But it is actually in a muffin tin she makes it, and it looks like a muffin, but it's not like – muffin batter it's it's like more like roll or whatever batter but anyway you're, yeah
4: you are spending a lot of time to describe this the cuz it's yourself. good man i mean it's good i know
0: it's an, a running joke on this show but it's good i i mean i my kids love it i love it's really it's actually it's it sounds weird but it is really really good i know it's not a sandwich but still i i had to say it because i i literally just ate it tonight for dinner and i know you always make the joke and ask but it made its comeback And I'm glad, and I like it, and I don't care what you say. So there. Okay. (laughs) Well, since this is our our Christmas episode, uh, you found a wonderful little gem, a wonderful little nugget of Christmas joy uh, for our our reoccurring, long-time, everybody's favorite segment.
5: Feminism ruins everything.
0: So here we go, folks. Brace yourself.
5: Oh, sexism, oh, sexism. Life forms are so wide ranging. Oh, sexism, oh, sexism. From cat to slut shaming. A lot of it's insidious, but nonetheless, it takes a piss. Oh, sexism, oh, sexism.
2: Please spare me your
0: mansplaining. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Merry Christmas, <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry, uh, in merry. In jail? Christmas.
4: Yes. Oh. Can we put them in jail? <laughs> merry, merry
0: 2020 oh. Christmas.
4: Oh yes. Man. So. Oh, goodness. Oh, man. That is... uh, That's that's special. That almost ruins everything. Feminism ruins everything. But I'm not letting them ruin my Christmas. Yeah, that's special. And and not in a good way. You know who else (laughs) tries to ruin my Christmas? The... No. All the conspiracy theory Christians that say, Did you know... That it's pagan to celebrate Christmas? Oh, I see where you're going. Yes, I know. That's a, I, I. just ignore them now. Yeah, it's because it's it's a myth. It's a stupid myth. I know. Uh, that uh, um, actually, there's a professor named William Tig, and he he actually puts it very clearly, pretty helpfully. That uh, um, there actually wasn't any kind of feast, pagan feast, on December 25th. Until after Christians had already been celebrating a holiday or some kind of celebration uh, beforehand, and so Christians came first. Pagans try to steal it, and uh, and then we have then Grinches today who want to celebrate paganism and think that that's what is uh, behind every Christian tradition and everything that happens in the church.
0: Well, you know, you know who's a good person to go to for this. We're, we're going to go to, on the phone, we have Jeff Durbin. Oh, wait. Jeff never got back to us. Jeff, if you're listening, or if anybody from Baha- Apology is listening, you said you were going to come on. We cornered you at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. Upstairs. Right outside. I know you're a busy guy, man. But come on next year, okay? Please. We really, really, really want you to do a Christmas episode. Please. Sorry, I had to put that in cuz I want people to tag Apologia in this cuz I want to get him on the show.
4: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. No, actually, but um uh, The explanation of how we came up with December 25th. You know, always people are always also saying, you know, that's not Jesus's birthday. And do you know how we came up to December 25th?
0: We we uh we grabbed a pagan holiday, a random pagan holiday, and we slapped
4: Christmas on it, right? No, that's what
0: That's what I've heard.
4: No. Actually, so here's what it is. Um, it, it actually, it, there's this Jewish belief or tradition called the Integral Age, and what that is is basically this idea that um, often something big happens repeatedly on the same day and often in particular in the life of um, in very important people. And so they'll often see that somebody was born and died or co- was conceived on the same day. So you have early Christians that have kind of come from within this Jewish tradition, and then they've—you the. You can read in the early church this big debate over Easter. Mm-hmm. When was Easter? Trying to figure that exact out. Well, they also uh, thought then, once they kind of nailed it down to around March 25th or somewhere in there, that that was the day of his of his crucifixion. Easter was a few days later. But on the date of his death would also be the same day that he was conceived. So conceived on March 25th or thereabouts. You add nine months to that, and where do you line up? Mm-hmm. December 25th. Um we actually see that uh, if you go back in church history, you'll see that they celebrated um, that March 25th time as Christmas actually pretty early on because they were celebrating his conception. And then it ended up getting moved later on to a different date um, to December 25th as they started to celebrate his birth more. But uh, the idea that pagans have taken, we took this all from pagans, is this it's this conspiracy theory. And I think it's like this bad, uh, I don't know, bad vibe that a lot of modern American Christians have where we mistrust and hate anything that arises from church history. And so we're always suspecting that behind every good thing that we have is some kind of evil, nefarious plot. And I think Christians should be done with that. I do too. I think there's enough
0: evil and bad in the world that uh, we don't have to go looking under every rock uh, to go find it.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, um, we've spent a lot of time, we've done a lot of episodes on, we've done an episode on holidays, and we gave a good defense of that, and I don't need to do that here. But I do think that uh, um, Christians just need to be willing to embrace traditions from the church history not in a salvific way, not tradition with a capital T. You know, uh, Roman Catholicism has tradition with a capital T in which they have two different types of revelation from God. Mm -hmm. So they believe, well, actually three types. So along with Orthodox Protestants, we believe that God has given us natural revelation in creation. We also agree that he's given a special revelation. It's where the Roman Catholics then say special revelation includes Scripture and then this capital T tradition, this idea of of word-of-mouth teaching that came from the apostles that's a different source of revelation than Scripture. And therefore, you you can draw doctrines such as the doctrine of Mary from this capital T tradition without ever there needing to be anything in the Bible about it. But lowercase t, tradition, which is basically the idea as, as the church sits under Scripture and it learns to interpret Scripture and it, it applies it, it's developing things that happen over time. And um, some of them good, some of them bad. If they ever get away from Scripture, we feel free to disregard them. But we don't have to completely disregard disagree- them. And in fact, tradition is, uh, what would you say, um, you can't, you can't ever get away from it. It, it always is going to happen. If we started up with a complete clean slate right now in our churches with nothing, just trying to like figure out, we're going to start with just the Bible and pay no attention to anything that's ever come before us. Within a couple of weeks, we would already have developed tradition. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's what the Restoration Church's movement did in the 1800s. The Churches of Christ and all those, they, they they thought they were going back and bypassing all the church history. And all they end up doing is creating their own traditions uh, apart from the actual history of the church and God's work through the church. And so uh, I don't think we have to disregard traditions. In fact, I think we should probably establish some of our own, especially in our homes. Mm-hmm. And so Great. I would suggest maybe after our interview here, which... We're going to be discussing with Marcus Pittman, as we joked about Jeff Durbin. So we're, we'll, we'll get a, another Apologia kind of guy.
0: Uh, he he to come he, on. He's he's not there anymore. He left. He moved. Remember?
4: Yeah, he did,
0: didn't he? He did. Yeah. So probably
4: because Jeff would not come on here to do Christmas show.
0: Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Although we did we did have Luke <laughs> we did have Luke on. So that was that yeah, was last did. main episode. So we, we got we got one of them. We just got to we got a. It's like our collection. It's like Pokemon. You got to catch them all or whatever the heck the
4: thing is. I don't know. I was never into that. But or something. Got to catch them all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, let's come back after we talk with him. And let's just talk about some of our uh, Christmas traditions of our own that we established in our home. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be on the line with Marcus Pittman. You might recognize his name
0: if you listen to our network from Law & Profits. Also, uh, babies are murdered here, and babies are still murdered here. And now we're going to talk about lore, which is his new project. So stick around. You're on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to The Patriarchy. We'll be right back.
1: build a dumpster fire a show about building social capital only on the lean left punch right network welcome to the show today we're going to go over the top 10 ways to build a better progressive utopia number one when condemning unrighteous acts speak in strict generalities because truth isn't specific ever and neither is that for the record or is it if the government says jump don't just say how high offer every liberty and right that god has afforded you to them as well as those of your neighbors, because nothing says Roman 13 like subjecting your neighbors to outright tyranny. Number three, move church to YouTube forever, because as we've already covered, truths like don't forsake the gathering of the saints are more like guidelines than a rule. Number four, shut down the world for a virus that survival rate is better than driving your car to work. Then when you've destroyed everyone's livelihood, give them 600 bucks and pat on the butt. boy. Number five, when a worldly ideology doesn't work, just read it into the text because, I mean, half God really said. Number six. When you're so bad at what you do and can't make a living, just take a PPP loan. Number seven. When you tweet something that doesn't go over well, just delete it and act like it never happened. Then tweet something that everyone agrees with. Number eight. If you're scared of what God is calling you to do, don't worry. Beth Moore will do it for you, but always in front of the pulpit, not behind. Number nine, if you want to get paid for doing absolutely nothing helpful whatsoever, the ERLC is always hiring. Number 10, you've been waiting to shoehorn ethnic hatred into your church, but just haven't quite got the eisegesis right. Wait for someone to die, stirring a little Black Lives Matter, and you'll find it goes down smoother than a good scotch because after all, we both know your church was apostate long before this. That's our list for today, folks. I hope you find this as helpful as the next round of stimulus checks will be to the unemployed, Until next time, we're all in this together.
2: Well, hello there. This is Chad Chadwick from Things You Don't Want But Now Need. I am here to tell you about our brand new product, introducing the Emperor's Mask. You see, it's a revolutionary, completely breathable, touchless mask that is fully liberal compliant. How is this possible, you ask? Well, that's a phenomenal question and shows me that you're probably not a liberal. You see, much like the emperor's clothes in that old children's fable, this mask doesn't actually exist. It's made of nothing, comes packaged in nothing and exactly like real masks does nothing this breakthrough non-material is extraordinarily cheap to produce almost like we're not making anything at all the savings of which we pass directly on to you what you'll get with your order is just an email that says you're wearing a mask this is the receipt show this to the completely masked gloved and head-to-toe-gowned person at the Walmart entrance and you're good to go. If they protest though, we will send an extra email at no charge that recognizes your preferred pronouns of mask and masked. Because if Bruce Jenner can be woman of the year and a virus can understand curfews, well then you can certainly self-identify as wearing a diaper on your face. Act now as supplies are extremely limited Ha! We all know that's not true. But since the government is playing make-believe, well, we can too. Until the next renamed Flu Season Strikes, this is Chad Jed Chadwick signing off.
0: We're on the line with Marcus Pittman. Marcus is the chief creative officer of Lore.TV, He's a filmmaker, showrunner, and producer. He's also the host of Law & Profits on the little-known network, Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and is married to his wife, Laura, of almost three years. Marcus, welcome back to the patriarchy.
4: Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. What, did you say, I thought this was supposed to be Jeff Durbin.
0: Well, <laughs> we, we couldn't get him, so we, we, had, to, we, had, to, we had to settle for the, the former... That's a so the former for me. Yeah, the, for, the former oh. the former uh, media guy for for yeah.
1: No, nah, so, I'm just kidding. We're, Je- we're glad Jeff to told,
0: to have Jeff told him to move, didn't he? Jeff told him he had to get out because he was on that. We because Marcus, you were on the patriarchy before. Jeff was like, we can't have that. You got to move. You got to get out of the church. You got to move out of the state. That's what happened, right?
4: <laughs> it's not big enough for the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't
3: think I don't think Jeff uh, uh, minds the patriarchy that much.
0: Well, tell him to come on then. We invited him on for the Christmas episode. He said he would at the Fight, Laugh, Feast
4: conference. I've said that already on this episode. Jeff, if you're listening, you better come
0: on next year. Okay.
4: All right. Well, no, Marcus, it's good to have you. Um, So here's a question. What the heck is Lore? (laughs)
5: Uh,
3: Lore is a streaming service that we're building. Uh literally from scratch. Uh we're building it from the ground up. And the plan is really just to build a true competitor to the streaming services that we see out there like Netflix, Disney Plus, and Hulu, uh those sort of things. So that's a sort of that's a sort of goal. And we it's not a Christian bubble, a Christian alternative uh or even like a conservative bubble like you know parlor or gab or those sort of things. Uh and we, we we think what we're building is uh, a true uh streaming and film uh Goliath that we're making and uh we think it it's gonna rival Netflix and, and the biggest uh out there and uh it's certainly not gonna be a place for films like PureFlix.
0: Well, so so like you're, go, you're like gonna you're gonna you're gonna put out. So that means that you're y- definitely did you gonna say put it, out. It's well, it's gonna you, be yeah, like Flix? No, no, he's not. He's <laughs> no, not it's certainly
3: it, not oh. going to be like Pure What what no, he's, no, he's gonna no, do
0: okay. is he's gonna put out. Um, God's still 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 not dead or whatever the sequel is, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah, so just no, no. So what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna create a way. Most of the films and TV shows that you watch are determined by. Pretty much like eight people in hollywood right so the head Mm -hmm. of netflix head of disney head of cbs and universal right so they all decide hey this is the content we're going to make and so what we're going to do is we're going to get those guys out of the way and we're just going to create a platform that allows uh regular joe schmo uh uh, and fathers and families uh to fund uh and make the content that they want to see without the producers making those decisions where the suit's making those decisions for, for them. Nice. So they're just
4: taking out the middleman. Mm, nice. Will, so normal people be uploading, is it kind of like a YouTube thing or? No, no. no? Uh, oh, okay.
3: there, 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 there's going to be at least initially a selection process of like the sort of films and stuff uh, that we put on the platform that get selected to be fundraised. And then from there, people can determine uh, uh what sort of movies and TV shows that they want to see? So we're sort of a, a much higher version of YouTube for sure. Because uh, YouTube, I mean, you can put whatever you want on YouTube. Uh, so, but what we're going to do is do more high-end content uh, like films, television series, sitcoms, uh, animation, all those, all that sort of stuff. So uh, on on a high higher end scale, uh, the, the difference is you have a lot of Christian filmmakers out there. Uh, who are in the top, very top level of Hollywood. Um it's shocked me, just since we've done this, how many people uh I've I've spoken to uh at every level of the industry that are just super skilled, super talented. And uh they are they have to make content that's undercover. Uh so sort of like some of the like you'll see a show and you'll go man like that show had to be written by a christian and chances are it's true it was and, but but it's not obviously uh it's not obviously christian because if it's too visible uh those sort of lines and writing gets cut out or never picked up so you have a, we have a lot of people within the christian film industry uh I'm not sorry, within the secular film industry, we have a lot of Christians that are in there that are super skilled, super talented. The problem is they don't have a way to really make the content that they want, uh, because the people at the top of the industry are outright pagan Marxists. So they're not going to allow a creator to truly be free and make what he wants, um, because essentially the creators are just employees of uh, their worldview, essentially, at the at the very core. And so that's how we get, you know, all these homosexuals and Netflix films, and just randomly pop up anywhere. You know, the random drag queen, like in the, <laughs>
0: they're just there. Mm-hmm. You mean like the and entire? Doesn't make C- any sense like, to the plot. Like the entire CW. Yeah, yeah. The entire CW.
3: <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know, and there's there's Christians that are having to make these decisions. It's like okay they're making me put a drag queen in my script. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm
5: -hmm.
3: So like, how far do I go with this? And all these sort of, like, there's all sorts of questions that, that, uh, that they're, they're having to deal with. And a lot of people are saying, well, maybe, you know, I'll start driving an Uber or something instead. And, and like, so for us at Laura, we're like, well, God didn't make you to to drive an Uber. God made you to be a gifted storyteller, a storyteller and a gifted artist. And, uh, so there's a sort of moral responsibility on Lore to create a platform where talented Christian artists don't have to be one uh, disguised and two like Uber drivers. So so when
0: is <laughs> the question is when when is when is Ride Sally Ride coming out? Is that going to happen?
3: <laughs> man, I don't have the rights to that. Man, I don't come on, I man, make it that.
0: happen! I keep this like that would make that would make such a great feature film. Yeah.
3: That. It'd be a great film.
4: Yeah. So oh, sure, I'm still trying happen. to, sorry, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to get my mind all the way around it. Um, is this like a subscription service or is this kind of like uh, GoFundMe meets uh, a streaming service?
3: Yeah, it's like a, uh, you know, uh, Kickstarter plus Netflix, essentially, essentially that. And then uh, as we reach scale, uh, we have some different, uh, uh, options for our finance our funding model uh that we're looking into so it'll probably change over time but initially what you're going to see in the next few months are a bunch of projects that launch in sort of a kickstarter style fashion uh that's Mm going to shock the world so nice good so yeah
0: so can you can you give us any I know you can't give us any names, probably anybody who to you talk to but has anybody told you any like stories of things as, as a Christian they went through in Hollywood?
5: Um,
3: uh, well, I mean like, you know, one of the guys, uh, that's with us was writing a production for a show, uh, that was being picked up by, uh, a top streaming service. And, uh, he they were it was uh it's of the show is you know based on religion or whatever and so the producers were like do you really need it to be that religious
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and he's like well yeah kind of absolutely it has to be because that's the premise of the entire show and so there's a lot of a lot of there's all these stories like that it's tough talk to somebody who said um that the entire company, the entire studio is is pushing down social justice sort of ideologies and stuff, and uh, even the unbelievers that work there were wanted to strike, like just because. Yeah, I mean, I mean, unbelievers know that social justice creates terrible stories. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. when, I mean, it's really bad, and then. Uh, well my wife actually showed me a book it's like a a a book and it's called uh social justice baby or something like that i forget what it is uh but it was was like this i i think they they posted it in the reform pub like they posted like all the pages of it like it doesn't even rhyme it doesn't tell a story it's just like you know the baby like it's like a, a drawing of a cartoon baby with his like fists in the air and it says you take that Black Panther fist and you hold it up for freedom.
0: And oh man. Like, this, is, this is the that's dumbest so thing I've, I've ever that's so seen. bad.
3: And, yeah. yeah, but but they don't. They don't. Uh in order in order for the social justice movement to tell a story, they have to completely remove themselves from the Christian worldview because that's they're actually in opposition to it, right? So so it's not like it's not like other artists who are like, I just want to tell a good story. And they might not realize that they're embracing the Christian worldview when they tell a story with social justice. It's in complete opposition to the Christian worldview. So you have to remove any elements of good storytelling that comes from the Christian worldview in order to tell a social justice story. And it's just, it's Mm -hmm. just really bad. Uh, there's a, yeah, Jason, who's on one of our co-founders was telling me, that there was this uh story of a woman that he watched it was a movie, and uh the woman had to decide whether she wanted to be successful in her career or be a loving mother and she said i'm gonna do like the big end of the movie is like i'm gonna do both and it's like well that's not a that's not a good that's not a good movie, yeah like there's no sacrifice." <laughs> There's no, like, there's not like, there's no, there's no, uh, conclusion. Nothing was lost. Uh, she didn't, you know, there was nothing put at risk, you know? So, so it's like, well, you, you just had, you just said you were going to do both. And then like, but in the real world that doesn't even work cause you can't do both. Right. You know, yeah. like, so like people who are watching it are like, huh, that's okay. Well that ending wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be. <laughs> uh, but they can't really articulate why. And the reason is because, you know the the true heroic move of that movie would have for her to be to abandon her career and raise a child right and then uh but you didn't get that story because that would have embraced you know the idea that women should be at home with their children and then so then you got well she's not going to abandon her child and and Right, because that'd be a terrible movie for her to just like toss her child in an orphanage and pursue her career. Yeah. So she just says, "I'm going to do both," and it's like, "Well, that's stupid."
0: Yeah, well, it's the <laughs> it's, it's from
3: a storytelling the perspective. It's dumb. Like, yeah, it's, the, it's the feminist
0: there. ideal, right? It's the well, I can do, I can do everything, and, and there's no yeah, reason for well, it. It's just I can, and that's the story.
3: Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. and so so that's the, that's the point. It's like. And so we're seeing a lot of that sort of stuff uh, now. And then when we see a good story, like let's say like the Mandalorian, I was just thinking that, about, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is about a father protecting his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you know, you look at like John Favreau, like his mom died when she, he was young, and uh, him and his his dad would sit around and watch movies a lot. That's how they sort of connected. And uh, sort of, uh, I guess you could say, mourns of the loss of their mother, especially because she died around Christmas time, so they would watch a lot of Christmas movies. And that's what attracted him, John Favreau to the movie uh, Elf, right? Because mm-hmm. Elf is a father searching for a son. Yep, yep. It's a Christmas movie. And then and then you have, you know, The Lion King is about a father and son. And then, so like all the movies that John Favreau does is Iron about his father-son connection. Yeah, all, Iron Man. The,
0: and even, Every, the, even the Spider-Man yeah. one that he kind of, made iron mm-hmm. man the father figure to spider-man in that too yeah i've, I've read a lot about yeah even even his character it, yeah. even yep, his yep. character
3: is the father figure in in spider-man right, right? so yeah. so like so all of the movies he does has this huge father-son connection chef is another one right so but the problem but, but people look at like go, man john favreau is such a genius director he's not the best director i mean he's good he's really good but like the stories he's telling are not unique, like they're just like they just don't exist in our culture because everybody like shames father son sort of, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right? Like right. the real fatherhood stuff, you know. And I I think there's probably going to be some social justice twist. It's gonna happen, and uh and and but 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 like you know just knowing that okay, so there can't be great stories uh that aren't necessarily uh the sort of pure flick style altar call <laughs> evangelistic sort of stuff uh but they mm-hmm. can actually just be legitimate good stories that are completely from a christian worldview uh that you can enjoy with your family and be inspired and encouraged and stuff you know like the mandalorian when i watch the mandalorian it it makes you want to be a protector of your child
5: yeah yeah
3: right like that sort of stuff, you watch that and you're like I want to carry a gun with me for sh- at least. <laughs> and I want to be well-trained to be able to protect my child, you know, cause like that's, you know, and your son watches that and goes, man, like I want a father that protects me like him.
0: Well, and there's right? a sense of, there's a sense of honor and mission, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in that show that was, I mean, we watched that entire first season. I haven't seen the second season. We watched the entire first season. we got, Disney Plus that whole month long free or whatever back in like August, I think it was. And my wife was like, Do you want to watch The Mandalorian? And I said, Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I hadn't heard anything about it yet. I wasn't sure because I've pretty much just hate Star Wars at this point. And I we we started watching it and I remember like even after the first episode, we're like, Okay, well there's no gay characters. There's no (laughs) <laughs> transgender nonsense going on right now i i'm not really seeing any yeah. social justice happening like this might actually be good and then yeah you you go all the way through and it's not perfect or anything and i know they mm-hmm. there's some things in it you know here that aren't great but in in comparison to the last three star wars movies it's night and day in terms of storytelling in terms of what the general overall message is and and like you said it's not Groundbreaking, it's but it's something we haven't seen for so long that people are eating it up.
3: Yeah, I mean, like even the first Star Wars was about a father and son, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. everyone's like, every it's funny because you read Twitter and like after each episode you read Twitter and and people are like, man, like John Favreau, they really know like the core of like what Star Wars is, and it's like, well, yeah, it's just masculine men fighting to save uh, those. The weaker vessels right whether it's children or women Mm -hmm. like that's exactly what star Mm -hmm. wars was it was like save the princess the men come in and save the princess (laughs) right so uh, and there were very masculine male figures in star wars and the same thing you see in the mandalorian like that's what made star wars such a huge hit because like it was something that men could relate to as men you Mm -hmm. know and so and then you have pure flicks (laughs) <laughs> who comes in and they market towards you know fifty year old uh housewives uh mm-hmm. who you know who you know so and so they just completely have ignored men altogether and then uh and then even when they try to make something that appeals to men, it's just a copycat rip off of something else, yeah right like they just came out with like what, I think was thing of like Beckham, which is like the the
0: the Christian John Wick
3: movie they just came out with.
0: Are you <laughs> like, kidding so, me? I, oh,
3: man. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true.
0: How do you even so, get a Christian so, John Wick? What does that look like?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny the funny thing is I haven't seen it, but somebody told me that the reviews for it were talking about how, like, uh, like Pure Flix is, like, abandoning the faith and stuff because I guess it was violent. It was more violent than, like, the oh, other well. Pure Flix movie. The other... <laughs> so it's They've cornered themselves in a market where they can't even tell manly stories anymore.
0: Oh, that's uh, for so sure. They, yeah. Yeah.
3: So, so, uh, they're, they're in danger. And then, and then, of course, they just got bought by Sony. And this is like the same Sony that's pushing mm-hmm. like LGBT and trans stuff in the video games through like Last of Us and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not going to be long before there's like a gay female pastor in a pure flick story, uh, that we're supposed to relate to.
5: Yeah.
4: So, I mean, I don't so to, here's to a question for you. To, go ahead. So, what? How is Lore going to differentiate itself between pure flicks and and this, and maintain like some kind of standard? Uh, is there a statement of faith, or what? How is that going to be carried out?
3: Well, no, there's not going to be a statement of faith. Uh, the, the The standard is based on what people want to see. And so it's how you build it's how you build your audience initially and your core your core uh, customer base, right? So so the, and and then and then of course you talk about like well what what if there's like some something that's too violent or like there's a cuss word or something and I don't want my kid to see. Well, the best filter is the father, right? The fa- the father is the one who should make programming decisions for their children based on their age and all this other stuff. So, so we don't have a we don't have a, a theological sort of orthodoxy I think that's sort of the problem is everybody's made into these narrow niches of like what entertainment should be or whatever but, whereas we just take the chick-fil-a model and it's just like we'll, we'll just make good chicken sandwiches and then uh, and then and then that's and then we'll serve you know the pagans like it too, the pagans will like it. so I think like any good Christian business caters to everybody just because of the quality of what they make and then and then the way you build your business is the consumers start to expect that specific quality those are the people that are loyal to you as 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 customers And once you start to stray from that you you lose that sense of loyalty and i think we saw that with chick-fil-a when chick-fil-a like, when it came out that chick-fil-a was had hired one of Obama's people to oversee charitable giving. And then they were giving to like a homosexual organization and stuff like yeah, that. People were just that. like, yeah, I don't care. I don't really care about Chick-fil-A as much anymore. Right. But Chick-fil-A is also locked in their business in such a way and defined their business in such a way that they can't open up on Sundays. People will never take like people like that would be such a huge rebellion to Chick-fil-A if they opened up on Sundays. So it's really just about how you define your business and, and Build your core customer base uh, that protects you in a completely true free market system, in terms of like you know the stories we can tell versus the stories we can't tell, and so uh, and and so you know you ask well what if you have a guy comes in and he's got this like crap transgender film I mean this is assuming that we're completely open to anybody but let's say you have a guy comes in with this crap transgender film well if you have your if you built your core audience base to such a degree uh, they're just going to reject it and they're not going to fund it. So it's a par- part of It's just trusting the free market.
0: Do you guys have veto power in terms of uh, being oh, a hundred percent? Okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. it's not going to be like there's porn on our platform and then you're like, no, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be standard. Wait, so, when, we, so
0: you're saying you that Polly, about- the transparent, Polly, the transparent from our show, he can't have his yeah. own he can't have his own biography on there. He's gonna be very <laughs> no, he's gonna no, be very disappointed.
3: No one will care about it. He's gonna be really disappointed
0: <laughs> and he's gonna be very angry about it. In fact, I don't know, maybe maybe we should do a segment like that with Polly just ranting about lore. It could be an advertisement for you. There you go. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, no, I mean like there there might be some movies about trans people, but like it'll be about like detransitioning, right? Like mm-hmm. or there'll be like a mockery or a character joke. So it's gonna be like, you know, it's gonna be stuff that you're not gonna get anywhere.
4: <laughs> So, we, so, so when should we expect anything? Like what what's uh, uh we've seen a few announcements and stuff. What, when is the yeah, it's we don't, Christmas we don't have man d- give us something yeah, give yeah, us something yeah. you haven't no, told anybody we else.
3: We don't have it we <laughs> We don't have a date yet uh as far as like content launches but we are currently in the, the investment stage and we we've just received uh, a, a pretty Substantial uh, investment, not donation, plus a donation. I've been working at a nonprofit for too long. But we've received our first investment, and we're still doing uh, investment rounds right now. And then uh, we're going to start funding uh, the first amount of content to be produced uh, probably very early next year, so January, February. So you'll start to see stuff really soon, actually, a lot sooner than you would expect.
0: So, if uh, if people want to get in contact with you about lore, and if they want to invest, can they still invest?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So go to lore.tv, l-o-o-r.tv. Uh, we're currently looking for accredited investors, and I think the government defines accredited investors as those who have, I think, a million dollars in assets outside of their home. In real estate so like we're looking for accredited investors initially and then we're going to open up uh once the website launches there'll be other ways to invest in more so but if you go to TV and sign up as an investor then uh then uh we'll be able to send you information and get in touch
0: Hey, you hear that Joseph where we can be an accredited investor. Cause we have a million dollars. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so they're out there, man. There's Christians that are out there. It sounds you know, mm-hmm. crazy, but they're, they're out there. And, and I think a lot of these Christian investors, uh, you know, these, these wealthy Christian businessmen, uh, they're looking for companies to invest in that they know are going to fight.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
3: uh, and, and so we've had really good discussions with people and just kind of been encouraged by not only the amount of talent that's out there, but the amount of uh, wealth. And it's just really just people
5: just, you know, you just need men
3: with vision that are going to come around and say, you know, there's these problems you know we look around we say oh man like mainstream media like how are we ever going to conquer mainstream media well somebody's just got to pick up a rock and throw it at the head you know
5: mm-hmm.
3: like so so that's what we're doing we're just saying look man let's just do it let's just knock the head off
0: and so that's the plan amen man well hey you got any you got any final words before we uh sign off here no man have a merry christmas yeah you too man you you and niciss and uh, how how are you guys doing out there by the way move go okay
3: good man we're getting that uh, getting you know getting getting settled in in the home and uh and uh just sort of getting used to all the cold weather it's kind of drastic change <laughs> that's phoenix for era. sure <laughs> phoenix to moscow idaho so it's snowing every day this week that sort of thing so yeah man but every, other than that we're, do, we're doing great it's great it's a great little town uh i was kicked out of a restaurant uh we were getting used to small town politics because i posted on facebook i have I had COVID last week or two weeks ago, and uh, (laughs) and uh, we went to a restaurant after quarantining. I was already quarantining, uh, and somebody saw or knew me. You know, there's a lot of hostility towards uh, the church we go to out here, and so uh, they knew me and spotted me. And I was like, "Are you Marcus Pittman?" I read your content online, and I was like, "Yeah, hi, nice to meet you." And then they called the police because I (laughs) said I had COVID and I was in a restaurant. And nice. then, uh, <laughs> so as I just laughed, I was like, ah, I'm just, I'm just going to leave. And so, uh, cause they were, you know, you don't want to get the restaurant in trouble right? because um, yeah, yeah. it's not their fault. And, you know, so it's just like, okay, I got it. So, but yeah, so, uh, that's the world we live in. That's a, 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 a commie utopia. Uh, all the liberals want the sort of oppression, you know, it's weird. They wanted to fund the police. But they also uh, need the police to oppress people at the same time. So it's like, what do you do?
0: Well, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and that's why I think not that not that every year it is an important to celebrate Christmas, man. But I think that's why this year especially, I think it's very important for Christians to keep being Christians, keep going to church, and keep celebrating Christmas.
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. Hundred
0: percent. All right, Marcus. Well, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it, and we are excited to see ride sally ride come to theaters no i'm kidding I, actually that, that should happen Ride sally ride should come to theaters <laughs> i'm gonna push it man i'm gonna do it we're gonna do it somebody's
3: gonna... gonna make it somebody will. Make yeah it. i all believe right. it yep all, all
0: right, right man all right man merry christmas to you all right bye that was marcus Pittman for lore.tv and you are listening to the patriarchy on the fight Laugh, feast network we'll be right back Talk about our Christmas
4: traditions. All right, do you have any? <laughs> it's the longest
0: pause ever. It's like this dead air. Um, yes, uh, we do have some Christmas traditions.
4: <laughs> that was just... part of my Christmas traditions. What the awkward long, pauses? Long awkward, pause. long, awkward pauses. You're very good at it. <laughs> um. Oh, so here's a question before you get into it. Oh, no. Here we go. Oh, no. Is this a serious question? It is. Sure. It is. It's somewhat serious. uh, Somewhat. Okay. All right. Go ahead. (laughs) All right. What do you do about Santa Claus?
0: Oh, no. That's easy. Um, Kids don't think Santa Claus is real. We talk about the actual Wait, wait, what? Yes, I'm one of those. (laughs) I I am, too. I figured. Um, Yeah, no. um, yeah, we've never told our kids that Santa Claus is real. Uh, we're also not like uh, raising up militant anti-Santa Claus Nazis to run around and you know try to disrupt everybody's home life or something like that. Um, basically, we've just said you know Saint Nick was a real person. Um, he liked to punch heretics. No, <laughs> um, maybe we'll tell that story one day. But just you know that there was a real person named Saint Nick, and that there you know there were these traditions that came from somewhere. And uh, so, you know, just over time that people had made this up that they, you know, all these fantastical things about him, you know, flying through the air and, you know, uh, with his reindeer, et cetera. But that it was, you know, you go back and there was actually a real guy. And so we tried to talk about that. We tried to talk about some things in the past, you know, and uh, what people used to do and where some of these came from. And um, but, yeah, we were like, it's it's fine to have fun with St. Uh, Nick, S- Santa Claus. Um, you know, it's fine to see people, you know, dressed up as. Santa Claus and wave to them and have fun and stuff like that, but we just don't lie to our kids. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, to anybody, but I—I I, that's just the way that I look at it. Is I don't want, I don't want to make up this big uh, fantastical fairy tale, which is what it is. It's fun, but I don't want to make this up and have them believe it that there is this guy that can basically be everywhere at once and knows what you're doing at all times. And then you're like, at some point in their life, Oh, Hey, just kidding. But there is this guy named Jesus who can be everywhere at once and also knows what you're doing. And he's real. And I'm not going to tell you one day that he's not real. I mean that, I feel like it, it takes the (coughs) trust that you're building with your kids and it makes them question it. And, and I don't want to do that to my kids. I I don't want to take away the fun of the holidays and we don't, like I said, you know, they can have fun and wave at Santa Claus, you know, when they see him. Because there's a there's a, there's a fire engine that comes around my parents' neighborhood uh, every year, and they have a one of the firemen dresses up as Santa Claus, and they have the fire engine all decked out, and they go through the neighborhoods, and they, you know, ring the thing, uh, ring the siren and everything, and they wave. And that's fun, you know, that's cool, it's fun. But um, there's no reason I have to tell my kids that he's real, you know, it's just fun.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you, that, that same kind of way. You ever read books to your kids or watch movies? I mean, yeah, absolutely. You're telling your kids, hey, these hobbits are not real, yeah. but they're yeah. fun to watch. You know, wait, like, wait,
0: what? The hobbits aren't real? We, well, we trying to say that Middle Earth wasn't, <laughs> they really didn't happen. You're ruining, no, you're no. ruining my childhood, Joseph. You're rooting, ru- yeah, I get you. Yeah, that's just exactly you were saying. It's like, exactly there's the
4: all game. kinds of stuff. And I found that actually, it's enabled us to enjoy Christmas, enjoy Santa Claus even more.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: because there's not this weird tension of yeah, like like trying to keep some secret thing. No, we just enjoy it and that kind of thing. So yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. So what's a what's a Christmas tradition you got? So tell us tell us what you do.
0: Um. Well, and I mean we're now that we're in the house that we're in a couple of years now. We are trying to make more traditions in terms of our home. But uh, in terms of just my family's traditions, um, we always would, uh, we'd always get up and uh, not super early in the morning, but decently early. And then we would have some kind of special Christmas breakfast, you know, whether it was like, uh, you know, uh, cinnamon buns or just something, you know, really good and usually sugary (laughs) um, for Christmas morning. And my mom would always make something like that or whatever. And my wife has started doing that with with us too, you know. And we do that before we get the gifts out or anything like that. And then we usually we read something, uh, one of the accounts, you know, of uh, from scripture, and uh, you know. And then we get some gifts out in the morning. And usually we start with uh, our stockings. We do have stockings. We we have a fireplace. I I put up um, these screws when we moved into the house to hang them all. <laughs> As we're having more kids and adding more screws and trying to space it all out um, and then we get you know get the little things out of the stockings and stuff and then we have some of our gifts and then you know we usually have a time where we kind of just hang out and maybe the kids play with something they got and then uh, we usually then we'll end up going like over to um, my mom and dad's and um, we'll have like a, a pretty traditional you know like Christmas lunch. Um, Calling it lunch doesn't even do it justice. It's huge, <laughs> um, which as it should be. And I think you should have a big Christmas celebration, you know. And then we go over, and a lot of times my dad will also read something. Um, you know, he will um, pray over us, and you know, we'll eat together, and uh, you know, we'll do some gifts and stuff later. But then usually, the rest of the day is kind of just, you know, kind of hanging out and enjoying being around family and talking about um, pretty much whatever. But uh, usually then at night, uh, we always have like dinner time. We have, um, not leftovers. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can call the same day food leftovers, but, um, usually we'll make, I don't know about you, but I like making, uh, sandwiches out of like the ham and, uh, um, you know, anything else we have and you kind of pile it on a sandwich and you eat those for dinner and stuff. And, um, I'm trying to think of others. Uh, I, my, my dad and I used to, uh, we, we don't go to the same church anymore. Um, but when we were all going to the same church, um, Christmas Eve, we, us- we usually went to a Christmas Eve service at our church together. My mom would always wrap gifts, and it was usually like my dad and I's tradition to do that. Um, so, uh, you know, that might be something I actually might start doing, maybe with my sons. I think that might be kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I, there's probably other things I'm just missing, but that's the general gist of the day and a lot of things that we do. Um, but what do you guys do? Like when you wake up in the morning...
4: Yeah, you know, it's like, as we've probably talked before, I've wrestled for a few years had with the issue of what do we do about these Christian holidays and stuff. And here recently, I've, having worked through it, I think um, I've just come to embrace it and and love it actually. And we just moved into a new home back in in March. So one of our, our Christmas tradition goals is to be that house. You know what I mean? To be that house in the neighborhood where everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh man, they 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 went all out lighting up their house. <laughs> nice. So we've bought some lights where our attention is, you know, slowly build it up over the years. Sure. Kind of make a big deal of putting on the Christmas lights, getting lighting them up for the first time, you know, Clark Griswold style. I was
0: just thinking of that.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Joy to the world. Yeah, that kind of and then um we've been celebrating Advent. Since uh, the first Sunday of that, we've been doing an Advent uh, devotional book. I got one from Moscow, uh, Idaho, uh, an author out there, which was re- it's really good. Hmm. And um, so we've been doing that. We've been drinking hot chocolate like it's going out of style. Mm, that's good. I should do that yeah. Uh, uh, we've decorated the house. You know, I grew up and my we would go to my grandmother's house quite often. And both her house and my house growing up during the Christmas time was always so... Yeah. Not like warm temperature. I know what you mean. Just like warm and like cozy. Yep. Like because of all the Christmas decorations and everything, it just felt, that's what we wanted to be, an inviting place, warm, uh, the smells and everything to be a, uh, just something that as kids grow older, they remember. And we want it all to be kind of a teaching time towards, teaching about Christ and why we celebrate. So we're always talking about why we celebrate. You know, uh, one of the things that we've been doing with our church for a few years is going Christmas caroling this year. We have really ramped it up. So before we've gone like one time a year, Okay. this year we're going four different times. We've already gone twice to nice. different places. <laughs> nice. Uh, we went outside like a, uh, a rehabilitation shelter, like a, a drug rehabilitation shelter and Christmas carol there. And they loved it. And then we went to a place where there's was a lot of Christmas lights. People were walking around with masks on. We're standing there singing and and that kind of thing. So we got two more times. We're going to be going through the neighborhoods and and, and just uh, really Christmas caroling it. And then finally, you know, Christmas morning, we are up in the morning. One of the things we do is we always put a trail of candy from their bedroom door to the tree. So we take them all into one bedroom, and while they're in there getting dressed and stuff, um, I make the candy trail, and they get little baskets. And then we, well, then we go back in. Before we let them get out of the bedroom, we, we sing a Christmas carol. We usually sing Happy Birthday to Jesus, nice, and yeah. we, we uh, tell the Christmas story, read some Bible. Oftentimes we'll call my brother, who was born on Christmas, and wish him Happy Birthday and then we had open up the door and kids go running, trying to get all the candy and then to the Christmas tree and un, un, undo our wrappings and, and then uh, have Christmas music playing and then have half the day spent trying to put together Christmas toys and playing, <laughs> yeah. play, playing with them. <laughs> and then uh, nice food and fellowship. A lot of times we'll, if we can, we'll go to my parents' house. So, um, you know, sometime around Christmas, not always on Christmas cause it's in West Virginia, but
0: yeah, I, waiting, I think, it, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No.
4: What were you about to say?
0: Well, it, it made me think of one other thing when I was growing up. Uh, it just had, I just haven't thought of it for a while cause she's been gone for so long, but one of my uh, grandmothers, I mean, I guess I could talk about both, but one of my grandmothers, my, my dad's uh, mother, uh, who I used I always referred to her as Nana when I was growing up, and my other mm-hmm. grandma was Grandma. And when I was very little, if you mistakenly got that wrong, I would correct you. Um, so I've been told. <laughs> so everybody was like, "Is that your grandma?" And I was like, "It's my Nana. She's my Nana." And um, but Nana lived with us uh, growing up, um, and I remember. So we had basically what we'd done growing up, this is always the joke, is that Nana lived in the garage because Nana yeah. actually did live in the garage. But what we did is we basically just walled off everything inside of it and made an entire apartment inside the garage and in the back, which was like supposed to be like a uh, washroom area and stuff. And that ended up being her kitchen. And um, so it's like a pretty nice size. And um, But the joke always was, uh, you know, that ah, my Nana lives in the garage. But she would make cookies like crazy beginning in like December. And and I mean, I, that, anytime you'd go over Nana's, all you would smell is just cookies. I mean, just all sorts of cookies. And I remember that was like her big thing is she loved to bake cookies for Christmas, especially. And she'd make all sorts of cookies. There were just, I, probably every kind of cookie you could imagine, my Nana would make those cookies. And she'd get these big Christmas tins from the store and she you know mm-hmm. put the papers in them and put all the cookies in and she'd have I mean she'd have these things stacked everywhere and she'd be giving them to everybody and she always gave me my own little cookie tin with all my favorites in it and she had this little thing on the wall and it was like a little Christmas countdown um thing and it had a little Christmas tree and it had like little uh it looked like windows, you know, but the in the, the window was like a little pocket. And you'd, every day I'd come over and I'd move it until you got to Christmas morning. And my nana was a very early riser, like very, very early. And so as a child, as I'm sure his fathers know, we can attest, our kids bounce out of bed, or at least mine do, very early, especially on Christmas Day. And I would, but my dad would always like, you got to go back to sleep until 8 o'clock or, or don't wake me up until 8 o'clock. And like 8 o'clock was so far away from me, you know, when I was like up at 6 a.m. and just bouncing out of bed and like, I, I want to go downstairs. So my Nana would always tell me that I could just come over and hang out with her. And uh, man, I miss that. That was, that was one of my favorite parts, I think, of Christmas Day was going downstairs bright and early, going over to my Nana's and she'd be up. And she'd still be baking cookies. And uh, she'd always give me a cookie or two in the morning. And I'd sit down and, you know, when she was done, we'd sit, she always had this one rocking chair that she loved. And uh, I'd sit there with her and uh, we'd just talk and talk and talk and talk. And she, uh, I, I miss her. She, she's she been gone for quite a few years now. But uh, I remember that a lot. That was, that was cool. That was fun.
4: You know, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about these traditions and, and, and as we're doing it, I immediately, I, just as you were talking, all kinds of memories come back. And, yeah. And I think that's the importance of fathers developing and helping to maintain and develop traditions in the home and to carry on traditions <clears throat> from previous generations to kind of carry on what we came from before. Um, It's so important. It helps. Uh, it's a teaching tool. That if you're if you're wise, it teaches you. You can use it to teach about Christ, the gospel, about family, loving each other, caring for other, each other, about joy from what Christ has done, about celebration, which is within the Christian faith. Uh, you know, a Christian faith is a faith that has both times of fasting and feasting. And Christmas traditions teach us all about these things. And, and I think it's so important, if I would encourage our fathers and husbands listening to this, carry on traditions from your childhood, even ones that you may have thought were cheesy. Because I could always remember there was always some <laughs> cheesy tradition thing that like, I got forced to do. Like for us at Thanksgiving, it was to sing this song. And the song was kind of cheesy, but now looking back upon it, I'm thankful. And so we continue it. And my children have grown too. And one day they will look back upon it. <laughs> and um, I think this is so important in so many ways. I It's one of the reasons I think our culture has fallen apart as we don't have a shared tradition. We don't have a shared heritage, culture, and... We rebel and hate our fathers and what came from before us so much. And so, yeah, carry this on, man. This should be the Christmas gift that you, as, as, uh, um, not Clark well. What's the other guy? Uh, Uncle Eddie says, it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wasn't that the, the, what was that? The cheese subscription or whatever it was or, or, or something. I can't remember what that was. Yeah. It was some yeah, kind yeah, of
4: subscription. Yes. <laughs> it's the gift that gives all year long. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, that was another one is my mom always wanted to watch that movie, uh, Christmas Vacation, and um, I remember that. Yeah, like you said, there's all these memories that come back, and uh, one of the cool cool ones is, and I kind of end on this a little bit, is uh, my, so I live in my, my grandfather's house on my mom's side now, and my grandfather passed away earlier this year, and um, we still, uh, one of the traditions I had is my cousin and I'm, uh, Once we were in like our teenage years, we'd go over and we'd set up the Christmas tree for my grandmother all the time. And um, that Christmas or uh, our Christmas tree now sits in the same spot that it sat for my entire childhood uh, at this house. And that was kind of a thing that I really, you know, and it probably sounds dumb and cheesy to some people, but I, from the moment we moved in, I knew that was where the Christmas tree was going to go. Like, that Christmas tree is going to go in that corner, in that room, because that's where my grandma put it, and that's where my grandpa, you know, put it. And uh, we still, every year, we put it there, and we light the fireplace that's out there, and we that's where we open gifts, because that's where I open gifts with my my grandfather and my aunt and uncle and my cousins. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's that's small, but it, it helps me remember my grandparents. And like you said, you know, even little things like that, and, and I talked to the kids, and I told my kids, you know what, this is the same room that I had Christmas, and it's also the same room that grandma and grandpa used to teach, um, they used to teach a little kid's Bible study class, and they'd have it out there, and they had a big, you know, you, you remember the big uh, felt uh, felt boards <laughs> that always be so popular, and uh, they had a big felt board, and uh, they would put it out there, and they teach teach the little kids about Jesus, and, and that's, that, you know, I'll, I'll tell my kids about that, and yeah, there's always a way to tie it in. So, so if you if you take nothing else away from this, celebrate Christmas. Carry on traditions. Praise God.
4: Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas. All <laughs> right. So that's our episode for this week. I'm not going to give you the usual spiel of signing up to become a member or anything like that. Just enjoy your Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas. And until next time, if you're listening and you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is The Patriarchy.
5: Oh, sexism, oh, sexism, life forms are so wide-ranging. Oh, sexism, oh, sexism, from catcalls to slut-shaming. A lot of it's insidious, but nonetheless. Piss. Oh sexism!
2: Oh sexism! Please spare me your mansplaining. This is Chad. Chad. Ch- Chad. Chad-de-de- Chad. Chad. Chadwick. Chadity, Chad. Chad. Chadwick. Chad. Chadwick. Chad. Shouldn't be that hard to say. Chad. Chadwick. Unless you've done it ten times. Chad. 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 Chad Chadwick. Oh, yeah. All right, do it again.